0: Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. In this episode on the second of the seven deadly sins, we discuss the sin of envy. Envy is perhaps the most interpersonal of the sins. It is not simply another name for greed. We'll discuss how envy can mask itself as fairness, and yet does not really desire things to be fair, really, but for the other person to suffer. We'll even note how Nietzsche and Paul said very similar things about how friendship and envy are diametrically opposed Please check out our site, TacticalFaith.com, for blogs and for another podcast, TF Radio, that consists of great discussions and interviews with top Christian thinkers on various topics related to apologetics and Christian thought. Hope you enjoy this discussion on envy. Unless you've got more than us. In that case, we hope you really enjoy it. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to be talking about envy. And, uh, Joel is going to primarily be telling us about this. And, uh, to be perfectly honest, he got to talk about pride and now he gets to talk about envy. And I'm, I really feel like I deserve a little more time here, (laughs) but, uh,
1: you you get the next one,
0: right. right. Um, which fits me it's left. So (laughs) But we're talking about envy, and uh, envy is one of the, we talked about, uh, we're talking about seven deadly sins. Uh, This is one of the seven deadly sins, or one of the capital vices. And uh, so, Joel, why don't you start off by telling us uh, maybe a quick definition of what envy is?
1: So, when we talk about envy, we, at least when we throw the term around in our everyday uh, usage, we tend to... Uh, conflate that with envy and greed. Um, you know, we look at what someone has and we're like, oh, I'm envious of them. And the way that the, they, that the term has been used, you know, among this discussion of the seven deadly sins is envy and greed are, are very, are, are quite different things. Um, we'll get to greed when <clears throat> we talk about um, that in three weeks, I think. But um, envy is uh, the personal desire for some kind of leveling between yourself and a rival? I mean, the, a be, maybe a way to think of it is someone that you see yourself as being pretty much equal to, and they have more than you. They have something better than you. They have they they. There's something about them that is more than what you have, or or, or you know whether it's uh, in terms of recognition. It doesn't have to be money. It can be power. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could be, um, but you look at them and say, hold on, I'm equal to you. We should have the same thing. And so you want to see them. You don't really care how it happens. You just want to be, be on the same level of them. Even if that means you got to tear them down to do it.
0: Okay. So this is, this is different than simply wanting more stuff. This is specifically the way that you relate to another person. So greed, gluttony, so on and so forth seems like it's more about acquiring stuff or getting too much stuff or inordinate desire for something. Envy is specifically looking at someone else and desiring that you have the same amount as them. Something like that or more yeah, than yeah. that.
1: Yes. Yes. It's it's a very interpersonal vice. Um a lot of these vices are are about um desiring the wrong things for ourselves, um or you know, or and but they're they're about us and an object. This one is about us and a person, probably more so than any other single of the uh seven deadly sins.
0: So one of the things one of the elements of envy is that you have to feel like you're on it. It's related to feeling like you're on the same level as someone. So uh, if I'm some, if I'm a uh, peasant, you might say, and a king goes by uh, and I see the king in all of his whatever, finery and so on and so forth, I don't necessarily feel envy for the king because I, or at least there has to be something about the way I think about the king for there to be envy. So generally if I see the king as way above me
1: uh-huh. in
0: terms of, Uh, his value or his qualities or whatever, I don't feel envy. I may feel greed toward his possessions, but there's no hard, there's no, there's no uh, negative attitude toward the king. There's just a desire for his things. Right. That's not envy. Correct. Right. So it's when I look at the king and I think that guy's no better than me, I should have all that stuff. That's when it becomes envy because it becomes a form of a hatred of the other person.
1: So here's a movie that is probably a good example The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Um, spoiler alert. I mean, the book's what, 400, 500 years old? So it can't be that much of a spoiler. <laughs>
0: yeah. But, well, it takes a long time to read. That thing's a good book.
1: <laughs> that is true. That is true. But the, you know, the, the there's these two guys that are, Um, you know, equals of of each other. One guy gets the other guy thrown into prison. The guy that gets thrown into prison eventually gets out of prison and he shows back up and his goal is to destroy the other guy's life. And it's because, I mean, there's, there's other deadly sins involved there too. There's anger. There's, there's some pride. There's, there's there's lots of, but, but but he is clearly concerned. His biggest concern is destruction of the other guy. It's, it's, it's not about anything for himself as much as it is about destroying his rival. Right. And, and, and that's because he sees himself as an equal and um, he, and he looks at what this guy has and what this guy's done and gotten away with and says, that's not okay. I'm going to make sure he gets his, what's coming to him because, um, I I'm the same as him.
0: Right. Well, I'm, so I'm a little bit, uh, I mean, the Count of Monte Cristo is a good one. And, uh, does the movie, I remember seeing one of the versions of it, at least, I don't know how many are out there and it made the guy who is enacting revenge, um, trying to destroy the other guy's life. He was sort of a, was he presented as a hero,
1: a kind of hero,
0: a kind of hero. But yeah, may, one that we're sort of behind, but we're like, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah. Um, it's sort of the feeling. Right. It seems like talk about envy gets gets tricky, but let me maybe see if I can throw a curveball at you. Um, When we had a, a better sense of, whenever, wherever we have a clear sense of gradations of society, that there are people who are, above and there are people who are below um it seems like envy is then constrained to simply within whatever caste you're in you might say um once we have a strong sense of there are no gradations but all people are equal doesn't that increase the possibility of envy expand envy so would it be better for us to live in a clearly hierarchical society in order to constrain envy that's trying to a put you mind. between a, a rock and a hard place here i know i
1: i see what you're doing um so the the concern i have with that question is that it it, it starts to move envy out of the interpersonal dimension and okay. so my concern isn't about some some random person on the other side of the country. It's about the people I know. It's it's or or that I, at least I think I know. And so, um, you know, when you start to, um, you know, just because everyone's equal, doesn't that doesn't increase the number of people I know really. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't change that element of it, um, it just maybe gives me more people that I think I can be envious toward um, because there's more people that I perceive as being equal to me. Um, now on the flip side, we, you know, I, this isn't, this isn't in the same, you know, cast kind of thing, but um, you know, when I look at the, at an athlete, you know, a, a, an athlete, you know, a superstar athlete. And I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I should be just as good at baseball or whatever, whatever sport as they are. Um, you know, we, we recognize even in our equality that there are certain dimensions of us that are, that are not equal to each other. Um, and so we, we don't necessarily get upset that someone is better than us in something when they, their, you know, natural talents lie, you know, lie in that direction. Um, now, we might, you know, feel like we should be paid equal to them, you know, that they're playing a game and we're doing X, Y or Z. Um, but as far as, you know, the talent, that's not something we're, we're envious of. Um, we don't want them destroyed because they have talent. Um, we, you know, any sense of, of envy we feel is more about probably in terms of compensation or social influence.
0: Right. Well, I'm trying to. I, I know this. This gets us into the political realm. Um, I don't know if we want to comment too much on that, at least not publicly. Um, but it seems to me that there's a sense, like, what would you call? So let's uh, let's say that I. <laughs> It's like I'm making reference it's gonna sound like I'm making reference to someone directly, but I want to try to understand this because it's envy is clearly an interpersonal where you look at another person and you think, I am the same as this person and I'm not getting the same amount of stuff, whatever that happens to be, whether it's glory, respect, money, whatever. Um, I'm not getting that. So uh, you know, you can be sitting in a church and somebody else is teaching Sunday school and you're like, I'm as good or better than this person, I should be teaching. Or you're listening to a sermon and the sermons, you're like, come on, man, I can do better than that. Um, uh, and I know some Christians who have, I know a, a fairly of a fairly prominent Christian that a lot of people might know who ceased going to church because he couldn't learn anything from the pastor. And that might be slightly different thing, but as someone who speaks in front of a lot of people all the time, it might be maybe as a little envy there, but anyway, uh, So I, I, I look out in a, in a society where we've been told that everyone is equal, which everyone is equal has a lot of different meanings, or you can mean a lot of different things by it. Is is everyone equally priceless? Yes. Is everyone equal in terms of ability? Uh, absolutely not. Right. You know, I'm way too short to have ever, you know, been a way too short and whatever, to be a line, a professional lineman in a football team you know, uh, I don't have any of the kind of that ability and et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but generally speaking, if I look at people, I guess, I let's, let's, maybe I can look at this way. Let's say, let's say I met Steve Jobs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which right now would be a an, an strange interaction. But um, let's say I'm, I would met Steve Jobs and he is an eccentric, brilliant guy. I don't know if he was or not. I don't really know anything about him, but let's just say he was. Um, and in meeting him, I realized this man has a whole bunch of things that I don't have, or he's done a bunch of stuff that I haven't done. He's pursued these ends and taken risks and all this other kind of stuff that I haven't done. And when I met him, any envy I had over his success and money falls away because I realize he possesses all these qualities and has put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this that I have never put into anything. But at a distance, I can see Steve Jobs and maybe other people who are very rich. And I think they're no better than me. And I, and I create an image. So I'm looking at a class of people who are very rich, let's say, or very successful or very well-known. And then instead of knowing them personally, uh, in which I might recognize a, a distinction between us, I, I imagine an image, I, I create an image in my mind of rich person or a successful person or a famous person and that image in my mind is no better than i am just luckier and then i feel envy toward that image and then i use that image whenever i see someone who's rich or successful or has something that i don't have let's just put it that way right it could be it could be someone who's very successful in ministry and has a big church well all pastors of big churches are like this image i hold in my head right and I have anger toward them, a kind of envy or hatred of them because they're in a big... I'm not a pastor, by the way, but let's say if I were, right? So I can keep it in the Christian realm instead of talking about politics. But any of those kind of situations... So I don't... I feel envy toward what you might say. What I'm asking. This is the question. Am I feeling envy toward this class of people, but it's really envy toward this image that I hold? And so it is interpersonal. It's just that there's no real person there. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, that makes sense. And... So this, this this is where talking about each of the de- seven deadly sins by themselves uh, can start to feel inadequate because um, you you in when we get when we talk about anger we're going to talk about the there's an element of judgment uh, and um, in, involved with anger and in a sense it's you're in, in that situation. You would be anger, you know, using anger, which which drives you towards a misperception, a misjudgment of a person, or or a hasty judgment, um, which then leads to envy. But it's envy based on your anger, um, rather than just a direct envy. I guess you would say. Um, okay, so so there's
0: anger. That. There's anger at. Cause I'm trying to, I mean, I don't want to just get in and talk about Bernie Sanders directly but, or, or that, you know, uh, necessarily, but, but that, that kind of, and I'm not saying, uh, if, if there's someone listening who is a Bernie Sanders fan, I'm not necessarily saying this has to be one's motivation. Um, but a lot of the language of, uh, by the way, I can criticize all sides of the, all sides of politics. So don't get me started. Uh, but anyway, but I'm just I'm just trying to say that because, uh, again, they're capital vices and capital vices uh, seek to be into the cap in the capital. But uh, um, the idea of of there's a lot of different arguments for why. I mean, you can make a lot of probably quite reasonable arguments for why there shouldn't be super, super rich people and so on and so forth related to control of government power and so on. But the but the question is the motivation when one hears that, so if I hear someone saying millionaires need to be having their money taken away or whatever in some way, or they need to be taxed at ninety eight percent or something, or some high number, am I motivated because I want what's best for the for the country or my neighbor or whatever, or am I motivated because I think there's no one should be allowed to have that much money because I don't have that much, you know, something like that is is an envy. So I have an is it the anger that then creates the misperception that. That groups all these people into a single, a single Im, uh, imaginated, or imaginated, imaged person, uh, imaginary person that I hold in my mind. That then I feel envious toward. I guess that's what I'm trying to see. How how, how are all these connected? I know we got a wrath is a, is a different topic, but is that genuine envy? Then toward that, can I feel gen? Can I feel genuine envy, envy toward a class of people? Based on an image that I hold in my mind of a single person that stands in for all those people,
1: so, so in, in in that sense, I would i I struggle to say that it's it's directly envy that it, it's, but it's it seems like it's more of an anger leading to envy leading to x y z, um, okay, and and that that's that's one of the the tricky things about how we think about the seven deadly sins is sometimes we'll think of it as, you know, kind of like a tree where we've got, you know, like we talked about last time, pride is, as kind of being a source of all of them. And then, you know, each one goes off by itself, but that's not really true because each one can, can reattach itself to another one. And, and it just becomes uh, a very uh, intermingled mess Um, because the, probably i i guess the thing to keep in mind is when you start down the path of one of these you're going to be dealing with uh disordered desires or misperceptions which when you start down the wrong path you rarely end up right back on the right path you often continue down further bad paths and right. and so you 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 know it's it's not like these turn you around, you know, you get turned around at some point and facing the right direction by continuing down these paths. But, um, you, you know, so when we start down one, it's, it's it should not be a surprise at all that we end up with others as we continue down that path.
0: Right. Right. Well, let me, let me change Let me change the topic a little bit. Cause there's an, there's an interesting quote from Nietzsche where he says something like, and he might be referring to Romans 12, 15, where he, Uh, He might be kind of hinting toward this. He'd studied Bible and stuff a lot, but he says something along the lines of, it's easy to mourn with those who mourn. What's really hard is to rejoice with, or the true sign of friendship is the ability to rejoice with your friend, not mourning with them. So when somebody has suffered a tragedy, it's somewhat easy, it's fairly easy to to kind of mourn with them, even though sometimes I wonder, well, let's not get into that. But rejoicing with those who have had successes, who are your friends, so they're your peer group, right? Rejoicing with those who rejoice, that's really, really, that might be one of the hardest things we can do, um, to truly rejoice with them, to be happy. So, uh, you know, uh, you and your friend are both aiming for tenure or some promotion, maybe you're in different companies, right? But you're at relatively the same level. And, or pay rate or whatever. And your friend gets a, gets a huge pay raise and promotion and you don't. Are you, I mean, you could say, Oh, great for you, but do you really feel the rejoicing or do you feel hidden inside all of that? Maybe not so hidden when you're not talking to your friend. (laughs) I deserve that just as much as he does. I, in fact, I'd maybe even more, this isn't fair, right? The word fair keeps coming out. Um, so, uh, Romans 12, 15, right? In fact, there's a whole list of command, kind of calls to action uh, in love that Paul gives here. But starting in verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Because, I mean, there's, you see a whole bunch of the sins... Uh, Paul's telling us to do the opposite. Don't do that. Uh, don't feel like you need to uh, to be with, do, be willing to associate with people of low position. That's probably related. But anyway, the idea of rejoicing with those who rejoice—it seems to me that that is a direct attack on envy. Definitely, to look at someone, someone who is my peer, and say, and to genuinely rejoice in their success. That sounds easy because we, everyone loves everyone, but when it happens, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, I've had experiences like this.
1: I was going to say, I, I will, I will share one of my experiences. Oh no. um, And, and, you know, my, my touched, you know, too close to home, but, you know, I remember being in grad school and, you know, when we were at Baylor, all of us were applying for the same jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just how it worked. And so, you know, these people that you've built camaraderie with over five, six years are applying to the same jobs that you're applying to. You, you feel and, you know, and then they get one of the jobs or they get an interview for one of the jobs that you thought you would have a good shot for an interview for. Or they get the job and you didn't. And it was a simultaneous. I am happy, genuinely happy for them because I've seen the work that they've done and I know they've done hard work. But goodness, why couldn't, why can't I get it, get one too? Um, you know, and so it, it's, it's a, an element of wanting what they have and, and feeling like that you're a peer of them. And so you should be getting the same thing that they're getting while at the same time recognizing you're happy for them they did they did hard work you know they worked hard you know that that they're qualified that 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 they're going to be a good fit for the position you just know you would have
0: been a good fit too <laughs> yeah well i mean and, and the backdrop of this is that the philosophy job market over the last i don't know how long has been horrible yeah so there there has been a s- serious dearth of jobs out there so when we're talking here about they got a position and you didn't we're talking about they got a job in the philosophy market. And you may not, and you may have to go, I don't know, what do you do with the philosophy degree other than teach? So French fries. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's sort of a joke, but, uh, but so it's not a merely, Oh, they got that, that job that I would have preferred, but I got this other one. That's not quite as good, but I still like it. It's, they got a job. I probably won't. Right. Right. And so this is for those of us who spent, you know, countless probably weeks on end sending out applications Mm um uh an application takes i don't know up to half a day sometimes a day or two to do and you send out 75 or 100 of them that adds up um and then you don't get any job but your friend does yeah congratulations (laughs) right that's sort of the experience (laughs) but to truly rejoice with those who rejoice uh even when you have maybe some reason to mourn. Is that even a, is that considered a virtue in our society at all? Trying to think of how it's presented in film, right? There's always, I mean, what's the, one of the classic tropes is I am an outsider. Let's just go back to a a film about like high school or whatever or college or whatever. I'm an outsider and they're the popular kids. And and they're getting everything and then in the end something bad happens to them and I get I get success. What's the message of that? Envy is 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 a correct emotion toward the situation and if if the world becomes just they will they will hurt. They will be brought down and I will be brought up. Isn't that the message? let me push you a little bit on when 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 it's when it's said in scripture that every valley will be filled in and every mountain wrought low or blessed blessed are those who are poor or poor in spirit depending on which passage you're reading uh Luke or Matthew and then woe to the rich isn't that appealing to our envy is Christianity? on one level appealing to envy does that make sense
1: yeah that's a good question um i would i would make the case that it's not appealing to envy but that envy is a shortcut to achieving what those passages are pointing to um that envy explain <laughs> that that the you know, the elevation of the, of the poor and the woe to the rich that we see in scripture, that it's pointing, um, more towards the, the upside down kingdom that, that Jesus is bringing that, um, what we think matters in the terms of power and money, that that's not what ultimately matters in the kingdom. Um, and so, you know, to the, to the rich, Jesus is saying, Hey, like, Woe to you because what you think is valuable, what you've put so much time and effort and so much of yourself into accomplishing, it doesn't matter. That's, that's not what this kingdom's about. This is, that's not what, what's going to endure. And to those of you who are poor, you might actually see what matters better than the ones who are rich because you don't have that clogging your, your vision. You don't have that blocking you from, from seeing what, what what is important. Right. Yeah. Oh. I
0: really, li- I really like this idea of it being a short beca- shortcut because a lot of it's the same, it's the same thing, uh, that we got for the, that really, I think it maybe began with Augustine, uh, or may most clearly stated in Augustine that, that evil is always a twisting of the good. And so it's almost, uh, it's an attempt to, to jump to the end. It's a, it's a misperception that, that contains a little bit of truth. And that's that's why it's so appealing. Is it? It takes a little bit of truth, but then it twists it. It twists, that, twists it out of shape. So uh, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, right? That doesn't mean. Uh, uh, and 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 I think we have an attitude toward um, the sense of the equal value of each person, but we but we take strange routes to get there. Is everyone of equal value? Yes. Does that mean everyone should have the same thing? I'm not sure that follows. Um, uh, do, uh, should everyone have the same authority in a family, for example? Uh, should my five-year-old have just as much authority as me? In fact, my my son was just complaining the other day how adults get to do a bunch of stuff that he doesn't get to do. And I'm like, <laughs> you're 11? Yeah, when you're an adult, you need this stuff just to be able to survive having an 11-year-old son. So... Um, uh, you need that time to, you know, stay up a little bit late after the kids go to bed and, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, kids don't have any idea anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but the idea, like we, we can't believe in absolute equality in in that sense, but there's a sense in which in Christ there is absolute equality. There is, do, am I more valuable than my son? Absolutely not. Um, but does that mean I should have the same authority as my son? Absolutely not. And envy seems like a reflection on one element of, of truth, and then tries to just apply that in situations where it doesn't fit um and the same with like that that in Christ all will be made equal so his, and and in the kingdom all will all will be made equal um that doesn't mean i go out and take my neighbor's stuff because he has more money than me Right. That's not, Well, you
1: know, Aquinas, we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to greed, but Aquinas does, does lay out some parameters that that might be okay.
0: Yeah, Um, no, that's true. That's true. Then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make some people upset when we get to that stuff. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I think that's it. That's kind of a good, so maybe the key elements envy is an interpersonal sin. Uh, probably more so than any of these other ones where, where I look at someone who has had some sort of success, I see them as equal to me. And then, so I believe that I deserve what they have or they deserve what I have. <laughs> depending. Mm-hmm. On, they deserve the negative that I've experienced or I deserve the positive that they've had. And, and it's indiscriminate in that. Uh, I don't know if we really, we brought this up clearly, but it seems to have this indiscriminate where, I, or maybe it's even fundamentally negative where I prefer to be brought up to their level, but I almost prefer more that they be brought down to mine. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's it, the the focus is so much on the other person that that you know that there's an element in which um, they don't feel the pain if you're brought up to their level, that they feel if they're brought down to your level.
0: Right. So we'd rather have them – is this why we love so much to speak negatively about people above us, uh, quote-unquote above us, like people in positions of authority and so on and so forth? There's, it's it's in fact morally acceptable to speak very negatively of them. I need to be careful there. I do that all the time.
1: I mean the the, 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 <laughs> the question there is are you speaking negatively? Because you feel like you're equal to them, or are you speaking negatively? Because they're really not that good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, that's that's a good point. Um, so, and 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 is there really is there envy there? Um, how does it function? But so envy is a bit of a sneaky thing. It comes out in as simple a thing as having a little bit of a, a little bit of a distaste when a friend when a peer has success, all the way to the point where. Perhaps you know I am full of wrath against a person and or, or others, but it primarily seeks to bring other people down. Um, that's really interesting, and it applies to a lot of a lot of situations. From well, I think we've touched a lot of them.
1: Well, and and, and let me let me offer some a, a quick corrective to envy, and and I think that is when is work is looking at someone saying i'm going to work toward their good and i'm going to want what's good for them what's best for them um because then you get the focus off of how you are different from the like what that they have different things that you have or or they're in a different place or or position than you are um but you start to desire goodness for them and wanting good things to come to them and when you genuinely want that, it's hard to feel envy towards someone. Um, yeah,
0: would would a lot of that have to do with coming to have a clear personal relationship with them? Does envy is envy kind of destroyed when you really get to know someone? Like I'm thinking of the Steve <laughs> Jobs example.
1: So, so I, I mean, there are there are some people that when you, I, I want to be careful how to say this. There's some people that I feel like, you know, I've thought of them one way and then I've gotten to know that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, how are you in the position that you're in? Like um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's an element in which um, getting to know someone can, can destroy a uh, a view of, of them. Um, but, and, and that's why I think wanting what's, Good for them, wanting good things, wanting what's best for them, is probably a better way to frame it because um, it allows you to, as you get to know them, it's not focused on necessarily um, the negatives about them, but but how, but wanting them to be fulfilled, wanting them to um, to succeed in life, which is more than just positions and money and power and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when you want what's best for someone, you're, it's 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 hard to feel envy. Um, whereas getting to know someone might encourage envy if it's more clear that they are really, that you really are equal or maybe a little better than them and they are really unqualified for that position that you really wanted to have. Um, right.
0: So, so that's, that's good. So, so, so focusing out, looking at when looking at a person, maybe the first thing at who, who seems like your peer and they have better than you, the first thing that you, you think of, or the thing that you reflect on is what is best for this person. Yes. I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of experience how that would feel. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the taking, taking attention off of comparing yourself, Yes. um, is it Galatians where Paul talks about uh, you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to someone else? Um, I don't know if that's Galatians, so don't quote me on that. Um, but uh, but the idea is that 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 uh, persistent comparison um, that makes me feel that life is unfair. That's uh, that's a bad.
1: Well, and and it's it's also the case that our comparisons are often very short-sighted because we don't know what, what all is going on in that person's life. And so things might look like they're good and things might look like they're okay. But in reality, that person could be going through some sort of personal hell that we have no conception of that. We would, we, if we were aware of that, we would be like, wow, I feel really bad for this person. I, 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 you know, instead of feeling envy, we, we feel genuine compassion for this person.
0: Right. Um, Right. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Uh, once again, Joel has all the answers and even though he and I are, are, you know, somewhat equals, um, he has more answers and he's better than I am. And, uh, And And, and
1: Joel's Joel's taught a class on the seven deadly sins (laughs) four or five times. So that, that's, that's really why I'm doing a lot of the talking is because I've taught this class a few times. Yeah.
0: See, Joel's taught the class, but I've done the practical, you know, work (laughs) of carrying out the seven. So, uh, so anyway, that's, so that's, that's kind of an introduction, uh, uh, kind of an introduction to envy and, uh, what it it really sort of looks like, and uh, at least one practical way of trying to respond to it. Um, I think next week we're going to be talking about acedia, or as I pronounce it, acadia, um, what is normally translated sloth, though that's not necessarily the best translation of that word. I think it's a very interesting one. Uh, But we will get to that uh, next week. Uh, today thank you for uh for listening and we should be getting just as many listens as joe rogan and i don't know why we don't because we're just as good as he is uh but this is travis this is joel
1: have a great day and thanks for listening